Hello, it's Fangraphs Audio, Carson Stooley, guest in this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his weekly Friday appearance as a lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com, Kyla McDaniel, lead prospect analyst, Kyla McDaniel, as he does every week, Kyla McDaniel endeavors to analyze all prospects of particular note this week, uh, a trip that Kyla has made to Montgomery, Alabama, where the Montgomery Biscuits hosted the Mobile Bay Bears, the blade team for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, which uh, which minor league team uh, has any number of relief pitchers, at least, who can throw in the mid-90s. Following that, some conversations about some high school prospects, in particular those uh, in the southeastern area of the country, not coincidentally also where Kyle McDaniel himself lives, uh, uh, so to get some perspective on some July 2nd prospects. We look at the, the main international signees from 2010 to perhaps learn more uh, about what one could expect from the uh, potential signees this July 2nd from uh, the Dominican Venezuela at all. Uh, much more, of course, uh, in the conversation to follow than just what I've said, and it, is, it does feature Kyle McDaniel, uh, as he does uh, for each appearance on Fangraphs Audio. Kyle McDaniel has provided here a musical interlude, so please do, uh, please do expect that. What you hear is the end of this introduction, and then a musical interlude, courtesy Kyle McDaniel, and then a conversation with that same Kyle McDaniel. It is Fangraphs Audio. Thank you. You're getting raw, unfiltered Kylie right now. Ugh, gross. <laughs> I know, it's the worst kind, people say. <laughs> I'm gonna go see a doctor now. Uh, it's, yeah, that's that's the recommended uh, action. Yeah. Oh. So uh, we are what we're starting. This is uh, on the early side, typically for when we do, we talk, and I think it's because you're going to be attending some manner of game today. Is that right? Why do you always have to make it sound like I'm going to be uh, having high tea this afternoon and then going to some manner of game? Some man? What do you mean? Some man? You're going to be attending some man? I don't know if it's a college game, if it's a high school game. Uh, it'll be a high school game. Okay. It's actually a team that I saw for the first time a couple weeks ago, but it got rained out, so I saw about an inning and a half. So I'm going to go back and see him again. Oh, is that? <clears throat> that seems unrewarding. That particular trip. Yeah. No, it was. Although I hadn't seen the best player on the team, I hadn't seen at all. And he's a catcher, and so I got to see him catch two innings. The guy pitching was like up to 93. There's a guy on the same team as a center fielder going to Vanderbilt that's like a top five round type guy if he's signable. So it was good to get even a couple innings out of those guys and get my first look at this catcher. Uh, but yeah, I, I probably would have gone back anyway. Uh, but unfortunately it's an away game and they don't take BP before away games just because of, you know, like school ends and they go straight there. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so I won't be able to see VP of this guy, but I've been told it's... Uh... Wait, are you allowed to reveal this? Or you're talking in somewhat secretive... Oh, yeah, it's, uh, it's Tyler Stevenson is the guy I'm going to see. He's at Kennesaw Mountain High School. Uh, and, yeah, the pitcher is Riley Gilliam. I don't think it was on my preview. He's like a higher effort 5'11 guy, kind of solid average stuff, probably a good, good college guy. He's going to Clemson. This was the April, this was the April edition post you did of your yeah he strategy. was like late thirties he's in that sort of late first to second round area I can I compared him to Matt Weeders in some ways in that he's like a six four power hitting catcher with a huge arm that didn't really do a showcase circuit this summer 
despite being right in the middle of like showcase circuit country. Uh, so I, since I put him 38th and hadn't seen him before, and I'd seen Walter on that list like multiple times, I was, and he's like an hour less than an hour away from me, I was like, it's probably a good time to go see him. Yeah, probably a good time to go see. Him. Wait, who is the, so? Who is the one? Tyler Stevenson. Yeah, he's the catcher. He's the main guy, and then there's center fielder Reggie Pruitt that's committed to Vandy that. Probably goes to school, but if he was signable, he'd be like a solid third, fourth round type guy. Okay. Uh, plus, plus runner, some speed, uh, can play center, you know, got some, has some bad speed, uh, a little bit of pop, not that bad. Uh, and then pitcher Riley Gilliam's like more of a solid college guy, but it's always good to see a catcher when he's receiving a guy throwing 90. And the team they're playing, I haven't checked the matchups, but, uh, it's the high school that has uh, one of the top 2016 pitchers in the area. It's been up to 96 recently. So if he shows up, that'd be great too. But high school, high school guys throwing 96 occasionally. Uh, yeah, a junior too. Wow, that's uh. Now, when you hear that, when you hear 96, are you like, are you like, oh, uh, automatic, automatic draft uh, pick when he's eligible? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess there there have been. I'm trying to think of their guys that have hit 96 that haven't been drafted. I guess only signability guys don't get drafted at all. Mm-hmm. There are guys that go to college that have hit 96 in high school that you know maybe would have signed if they were offered 700, but they were small. Like I know there's a guy at UCF named that's a great name, Cray Finfrock. <laughs> no, no. Yep, that's a no, name. No, you just made up. That's a Jane Austen character. Uh, well, I went to UCF, so it's, it's kind of my guy. Wait, uh, Cray. C R E Cray. C R E. And his last name is Finfrock. Fin... K... Cray? Fin... Finfrock. Is he from... Is he... I don't know what the... What what language... Like, yeah, I, uh, tradition I that's tell you from. the etymology of that name. But he's like, uh... Like, South Florida, not quite Miami, a little north of that. Uh, like, probably 5'10", has some effort. But it's been up to 96 a number of times. We'll sit, like, you know, one to three or four... Uh, above average breaking ball, some feel for a change, some idea where the ball's going. How many, bo- but the real question is, Kyle, how many boxes does he check? He doesn't check all the boxes because he's <laughs> sub six foot ready. Okay, yeah, alright. He all checks right. some boxes. But I, he, he, he was a signability guy. I'm betting he would have signed if somebody gave him 750, and I'm betting he was probably offered like 354, or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's the Friday guy's a freshman at UCF, and it's probably gonna, I mean, as long as he stays healthy and performs reasonably well for three years, I bet he goes in the second or third round, and, you know, gets that, you know, six or seven hundred, just cause when you get three years of performance and health, then that's kinda where that sort of high school player ends up going. Right, because now, if you, if you retain the tools, and then the performance more or less matches it, or you, the health at least is retained, then that's pretty good. Yeah, and prove that your stuff kind of works. And the big question for him is, will he be able to start? Because if he's a reliever, it's, you know, like seventh, eighth inning type guy, which a short righty seventh, eighth inning guy kind of goes, you know, third to sixth round, depending on how good it is. Wait, but is that if, Jamie Schultz? Didn't we talk about Jamie Schultz? Oh, uh, with the race? Yeah. Missed him by one day this week. I watched Montgomery for three days, and he pitched the day before I got there. Jamie Schultz is starting. Yeah, he, he would be that kind of guy, yeah, but uh, skinnier, but that kind of guy. Jamie Schultz is, uh, well, how, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, right, he's thicker, but he's only, he's listed at 5'10", I don't know what his actual height is. Yeah, I saw him in instructs in like a couple inning stretch, and it was like 92-94, 55 breaking ball. Some guys have told me they'd seen 60 before, and yeah, it seems like generally that kind of guy. Schultz is interesting because, um, well, we saw, I think you and I saw him together at the Arizona Fall League. Did we? <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, okay. I think he pitched in, did he pitch maybe in the, or maybe I just saw his velocity readings. He was, he, he was among the top, um, 
I think you just imagine you saw him because you so badly want to be Jewish. Oh, is he a Jewish person? I would have to assume so. Oh, I guess oh. this is on you to do the research. Then. Something, something to consider. <laughs> Oy vey! Oy vey! Something to consider. Um, you could sit the, down and talk about this over some latkes. Yeah. Uh, the the let's let's uh, let me ask you. Oh yeah, because he really he profiles in a number of different ways as a reliever, right? But. Uh, still starting, still starting for the Rays. Yep, yeah. and they their people find him interesting. Uh, every, every time I ask them about guys, they're just I'm like, "Where you got Jamie Schultz?" I'm like, "You calm down." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they're asking you where you have Jamie Schultz. Yeah, and the answer is always like twenty five. You 40. don't say calm down. <laughs> I usually do. Well, it depends on how well I know the guy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you'd be all right. You'd be Andrew right. Friedman, calm down. Okay. okay all right. Calm down. We Wait, got guys and, to talk about. Why? <laughs> um. Uh, but yeah, but he's uh, um, but yeah, he, he walks a lot. He walks a lot of people. Yeah, he, he must have move. Does he have movement everywhere? Velocity and movement. Uh yeah, I believe that is his type. I think that there's some there's some things you could just um, just look in your peer into uh, even a prospect's uh, stat line, and you don't necessarily know all the answers. But you put a couple things together, like you see the high uh, strikeout and also the high walk numbers. You say, well. The batters, neither the batters nor he knows where the ball is going. Uh, yeah, and that actually happened a little bit uh, the game I was at last night where I saw a Cuban import, Yoan Lopez, for the first time. Yoan? Is the he part of generation? The gave eight and a quarter million to and knocked themselves out of the next two international periods. Eight, eight and a quarter million to. So the D-back, the, he's a D-backs, he's D-backs property. Yes. And um, in which I was in I was in Montgomery because uh, that was the closest Mobile had come to me so far. Mobile is Double A Diamondbacks. Okay. And the top three pitchers in their rotation for that team: is Aaron Blair, who's somewhere in the top 100. Uh, wait, I believe in this case you are not saying his name right. Aaron Blair. Yeah, I believe you mean A. A. Ron Blair. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how could I possibly be missing that? Yeah, up? yeah, you appear to be, yeah. Uh, yeah, Aaron Blair, who I think was probably like 70-something on my list, and then Braden Shipley is the number two guy, and he was like 45 or 50, and then Yoan Lopez, who I kind of punted and put in the 143-200 area, but he proved himself to be a top 143 guy after I saw him. Cool. So cool. They, have, they have three like legitimate dudes uh, back to back to back, and I hadn't seen any of them before, and it was about an hour and a half from me, so I was like, that sounds like a nice series to go check out. And they also have hard-throwing Enrique Burgos. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, I believe, the first and only guy I did a emoji scouting report on. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> a Diamondbacks official told me, "Oh yeah, that guy throws about a billion. It's good. Yeah, yeah. That's well. That's good. That's a good uh, velocity to sit at. And accordingly, I put the fire emoji in the three emoji scouting report. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and you you got to see Brandon Drury too. It looks like. Yep, he didn't look quite right the uh, first couple games. Looked all right the third game. I guess that's just sort of the vagaries of catching a short look. Right, yeah, yeah. Oh, good, and good use of vagaries, too. Well, much appreciated. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a very yeah. granular experience, or did I overshoot there? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you're done. You're done. <laughs> you, tap, you can you tap out, right? <laughs> um, well, that's exciting. Now, um, unfortunately, you did not get a chance to see, because uh, for reasons that are opaque to me, uh, the Diamondbacks have have kept Blaine Weller, right-hander Blaine Weller, owner of a 95 mile per hour fastball, and not which would have been one of the slowest guys in that bullpen. Like every dude threw in the mid 90s in that bullpen. Starter, starter, buddy, starter Blaine Weller. He's starting Blaine. now. Blaine Weller, yeah, Blaine Weller. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's the guy. He was signed out of Indie Ball. 
Oh, yeah, and I remember he was Sestouli's guy. He was Sestouli's guy, yeah. That's what scouting directors tell me the world over. They're like, was that a Sestouli's guy? <laughs> hey, calm down. And then you're like, calm down. <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> calm down. Yeah, Blaine Weller starting. Yeah, oh, tearing up. Tearing up. High A has a 25-year-old um, so far through his first three starts. Very good. Uh, this has been a circuitous route. Luckily, I've made some... Notes, which tells me we need to return to Cray Frinfrock. Why do we? <laughs> why do we? Why do we have to do that? I don't know. Well, I, how none of us have said not said Cray Cray so far is amazing to me. Um, continue. I actually didn't have to employ any restraint. To do. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, here, let me let, let me uh, let me give you the the uh, the the velocities of the pitchers from the second game I was at. This is the this is Mo, uh, Montgomery and Mobile. Yeah, uh, Braden Shipley starter up to 96, was relieved by Adam Miller, who was 97-98, was relieved by Will Locante, who was 94-95, mm-hmm. relieved by Jimmy Scherfey, who was 93-96. Oh, Scherfey's another one of these guys. Yeah, the, the, Arizona has more than usual hard, I think they had like six guys up to 98, strictly bullpen guys, and okay. they're like top 25 prospects. Mm-hmm. And they just happen to have like over half those guys on this mobile team. No, that's good. I mean, that's, that seems to, have been a strategy. I don't even know. I'm not correctly citing anyone at this point, but it seems to have been a strategy among certain teams. Um, another one that's been doing it the last couple of years. Right. And I think like the, I mean, the Dodgers at the major league level have done it with their bullpen. They just have a bunch of rock. I mean, the Cardinals had very hard throwing bullpens. Uh, yeah. I think basically if you get a guys who throw hard, you're like, well, then probably a couple of you will work out. Well, yeah, and then you cut me off where I said the last one, Burgos, was 94, 97, touched 98. And the funny thing was when I first wrote the Arizona uh, list, he was the last guy on the list because I was told up to 98, big dude, he's like 6'5", 240, doesn't really know where the ball's going, doesn't really have a slider. Like, he's kind of a rough one, but, you know, arms clean and all that and had some strikeout numbers despite not really knowing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And then I saw him in the fall league, and he threw just as hard, and all of a sudden he had a plus slider and kind of knew where it was going. And I was sitting uh, – there's an Arizona guy sitting near me, and I was like – is this new? He's like, yeah. And then Burgos is doing the exact same thing. He's already got four or five saves this year. Uh, he threw a plus slider, 85-88, and, like, consistently it was flashing 60 and, like, locating it. And I was like, all right, well, apparently this is the best of that bunch now because most of these, uh, you know, hard-throwing relievers they have are, you know, commands, you know, Jake Barrett commands way below average. Uh, Matt Stites, uh, he's also in the big leagues. He, oh, yeah. He doesn't really have an off-speed pitch that's anything more than about average to solid average. And then you got Burgos who's got the size and the velocity, some semblance of command. He's got the plus breaking ball. He's probably the best of the bunch. But this Adam Miller guy, uh, so... Wait, Adam Miller is also, isn't that also the name? Not the guy from the Indians, another Right, guy. Uh, who, who, he was, uh, he was, uh, um, highly celebrated and then he had like finger, finger troubles, right? Yeah, but it's not the same guy. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> it's not the same guy. I'm just trying to remember the other Adam he, Miller. He had a lot of arm trouble and then kind of fell off the radar. And when I saw this guy come in, I was like, is that the same guy? Is he like 28? It turns out this guy's also old, but he went to BYU, so I'm assuming he went on a mission. Mm-hmm. He was 97, 98 and just threw one inning. And so I'm thinking like, oh, he's probably, you know, high effort guy, can't go multiple days. He then came in last night, second day in a row, it was 96, 98. So didn't lose that much. And his slider was actually a little better. So... I uh, I talked to another Arizona guy that was there, and I was like, where did this come from? His name never even came up in the research. He's like, I guess everyone throws 100 now. It yeah. actually sounded kind of Jewish the way he said yeah, The way you reported this thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it was just a, it was a whole, uh, the whole scouting area was speaking Hebrew, according to the way you're <laughs> reporting it. Um, Sorry, guys. The, the um, um, let's see. Uh, 
Yeah, that, oh, that was a, an aside. I just wanted to let you know that those guys were throwing about a billion. As well, a speaking of asides, because uh, you know that I have particular interest in Taylor Cole, who is a uh, right-hander, an older right-hander in the Blue Jays system currently at uh, AA New Hampshire, not far from me. And um, Cole went on a mission, which, by the way, I recognize that it is a it is a Mormon mission in his attempt to um, – I guess uh, share th- their uh, their faith with other people, but when I say when anyone says he went on a mission, it's hard not to imagine like a Vin Blues Diesel, oh. <laughs> Jason, a what? Blues Brothers? No, are they on a mission? I never saw I'm Blues sure. Brothers. God, Is that, yeah. I apologize. Unbelievable. I apologize, but, but mission missions <laughs> missions. I mentioned generally... the classic Blues Brothers reference, and you go, uh, Vin Diesel. <laughs> but, I'm sorry, I never saw Blue. I never cared for Blues Brothers. I mean, I'm not a huge fan either. I just know that I'm on a mission from God comment. Okay. The, but the missions generally, though, missions, I picture explosions. I picture, and maybe there are some Mormon missions. <laughs> missions brought to you by Michael Bay. That also include explosions, yeah, but missions, missions. Anyway. It's also the area of San Diego with all the burritos. Right. And also San Francisco. I was going to say there's also one in San Francisco. San Francisco, also Francisco yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, they, not shockingly, also Spanish. Cities, Spanish named cities, well, Spanish name. Well, watch yourself. <laughs> the um, the um, let's see. Uh, um, wait, here it is. Oh yeah, is there any indication uh, of how um, the the guys who go, the guys who are uh, potential uh, prospects uh, when they go on missions, is there any indication of how it uh, alters their prospect status? Or what it might do to them physically? Because I, I know there were rumors that Cole started progressively throwing harder when he started playing baseball again. But he was not playing for two years or something. Yeah, I, I don't think there's like a universal thing. I mean, typically they just don't play baseball or don't play baseball much for two years. And then especially their pitchers, they come back not throwing quite as hard and then kind of work back into it. And they're you know older relative to the competition than they used to be. That And then you just sort of hope it all comes back. And for hitters... I mean, for pitchers, it's obviously physical, where if the velo comes back, then eventually everything should come back. Whereas for hitters, maybe you get a little out of, into a funk or whatever, all of a sudden you're 24 and A ball, and they don't want to give you quite as much rope, and you can't figure stuff out, and, you know, it's, I guess, generally seen as a negative from a baseball perspective, but I, I guess I haven't talked to anyone to see if there's a, a mental progression that typically happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can also think, I mean, I assume that while you're doing that, you're maturing emotionally and mentally in ways that, um, that maybe someone of your age group also would not, because I mean, isn't it just like an ex? Isn't are, going on those missions? They seem like they're just um, experiments in rejection constantly, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what you do? You go, hey, have you heard of the Book of Mormon? People are like, hey, screw you, buddy. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what happens? If your mission is in Brooklyn, I feel terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in '60s Brooklyn, that you're <laughs> yeah. That apparently, I'm saying, back to oh, look at this guy with the tie. Yeah, I mean, you get it's like when you go to Sam's Club or Costco and you end up getting a free meal out of all of the uh, all the free samples. Mm-hmm. You probably get enough like meatballs thrown at you in '60s Brooklyn that you're just like, all right, it wasn't a total loss today. <laughs> I got most of a full meal out of most, that. Yeah, Food yeah, that was right. well, what today. about like 2000s, wherever? I mean, wherever. I don't. I don't necessarily know. Do missions go everywhere? From your experience, how much do you know yeah. about missions? I guess is my point. I mean, I know they go around America and also around the world. I don't know like the relative frequency of if you know if you get your mission picked out of a hat, where are you most likely to go? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I like I know there are some that have. I think baseball players that have gone to Spain for two years. Uh, I want to say one of the Orges uh, did that. 
uh, Garth or Kale. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Or one of those. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I know that because I think a couple players have gone to Spain. But, uh, yeah, I feel like they're most areas of the world are places where you can go on missions. Yeah. Um, Embarrassingly yeah. and probably predictably, my only experience really understanding more missions is from an episode of This American Life. Oh, no. <laughs> so it had to be... Had to be digested by. But you, you were gripping your tote bag tightly the entire episode. No, we no, we opted for the sticker. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Although, I, I, tough sell to put any stickers on a car. I don't, do you have any stickers on your car? No, I feel like the whole concept of a bumper sticker is pretty yeah, dumb. If you really, need to put something on your car to tell someone you're into something, you're not doing it right. Yeah, I know. I think that's true. The only the only one I would do is if my kid went to a college. I would do the col- I would do the the kid's college. Yeah, but you know the kid's not going to care, so who are you doing that for? I don't know. I just is it because you're spending 30,000 a year. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, I got that, that out of it. Yeah. Well, I, no, I mean not my if they went My kid's stoner, but I got a bumper sticker. I wouldn't so. do it if they went to a state school, Kylie. <laughs> oh no. Oh, heavens no. <laughs> or Tufts. Just, they they go to Clemson and you go get a Kenyan college sticker and throw it. Up there. <laughs> yeah, that would deter me. <laughs> I like the idea of your kid going to one school, but then putting putting the sticker you wish uh, the, the school you'd yeah, wish they got to. Kenyan college dad. <laughs> <laughs> go Cougars. I actually saw there. I saw um I saw available on eBay just one of I might have already related this to you, but a Smith College Dad hat, like a, <laughs> a game, you know, the game brand hat. It just said Smith College Dad, and I was trying to. I mean, sure, there are pervier things, but um, but certainly above <laughs> above average pervy is me wearing a Smith College Dad hat. Yeah, net pervy over replacement yeah. is uh, yeah, hard yeah. to beat <laughs> by just wearing a hat. So you're not allowed through uh, airplane airport security wearing that hat, sir? Because female body inspector, you know, probably likes to have a good time. Smith College dad probably doesn't like to have fun. He's just pervy. <laughs> just pervy. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm just, that was on your agenda, right? Off, yep. Off the rails. Now back to Cray Finfrock. <laughs> fin, Finfrock, I guess. Uh, no, because you're going. You're right, because you're going to be seeing a game with a number of uh, possible prospects. Um, let's see. Also hitting the, the greater Nashville area early next week to go see a guy that's been up to 99. Whoa, well, high another high school, school guy. Yep, uh, Donnie Everett. Yep. I, just, I saw him up to 97 or 98. Uh, Is he last on your October prospect in list? Jupiter. Yeah, I think he's uh, one of the high. I think he's the second high school pitcher in the second round. So he's right there on the fringes. And I uh, actually talked to Keith Law, said so he saw him last week, and goes, it was better than I thought. You should probably get over there. And it's like oh. three hours from me, and on the way back I can see another guy in that same kind of area, Bryce Denton, uh, that's in that kind of early second round area yeah. that I haven't seen this spring. So it's like, all right, get a little, little twofer, grab a hotel night, and uh, charge to Mr. Appleman. <laughs> there you go, Mr. Appleman. Uh, that, sounds, that sounds great. Now, wait. Um, now, I see that – so Donnie Everett – you have him in your uh, like supplemental first, second round. Yeah, he's like forty-one if you had to put it in order, something like that. He he's a Vanderbilt commit. I'm, that brings to mind right now. It's not shocking on the one hand that he's a Vanderbilt commit because he lives in the Nashville area. Vanderbilt is a very good baseball school in in Nashville. Uh, I'm curious, are there certain schools? Because I think this happens in basketball, right? Like 
What are the like Duke has a tradition, right, of having guys go there for four years. They tend not to get one and done type guys whereas Which is funny that you mention that because apparently they are one of the leaders in guys leaving after one year, but the perception is still that guys go there and stay. Oh, okay. So uh, let me just deal uh, let me deal. I think for like the last five years a lot of guys have left after one year. But yeah, pr- traditionally that has been what they are, are more like that than other schools. Okay. Right. And I'm and I, I think we've touched upon this with baseball, but uh, is Vanderbilt a school, for example, that's more likely to find guys who are going to stay for, who are going to, who are likely to commit, or will will they not just commit but also arrive on campus, or do they also uh, find themselves, um, you know, uh, getting guys from the area or getting guys with you know really toolsy who who are likely to go in the draft? Yeah, there's uh, usually kind of ebbs and flows to this. So like Florida State traditionally would go after the not so great tools six to tenth round high school guy that was never really a threat to go pro mm-hmm. and would never lose anybody. Is that why? Is that how somehow connected to how they're always um, leading the nation in walks? Probably. Okay. All right. Um, but so they were like that, and then uh, they clearly changed when they had I think like four guys go in the top fifty picks two years ago. Uh, and there was, I think, an article written somewhere where the recruiting coordinator said, yeah, we decided if we have access to all these first-round guys and if we go, you know, sign 10 of them to we're going to get to campus, we, you know, there is some uncertainty about who's going to get there and who's not and having to juggle scholarships and stuff. We decided it's worth the risk, and so now we're going to start doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanderbilt was kind of like that, that they would go typically into the Northeast, get the well-schooled, super high signability kid that won a million and a half that they knew could get to campus, and that's where they got the toolsy guys. And then they would get a lot of sort of the solid, not really a pro guy, but very good college player, kids from the Southeast. And in like the last five or six years, they've decided to just go get all of the best kids and skew toward the well-educated, higher signability so that they'll get, you know, three or four guys a year on campus of their elite guys rather than one or two or zero that other schools may get of just the rank-and-file elite player that may not have quite as high signability. Uh, and so they lost, I think, like four or five guys last year, but they still had one of the best incoming classes. Yeah. Uh, in the country, and this year I noticed there's some Vanderbilt fans that'll often tweet at me or get in the comments. I think they were by far the most mentioned between players on the list and high school commits of any college on my list. I think they had like 13 players listed out of like 126. Jesus. Really? Wow. Now, uh, is it, is and and say, I'm doing my 2016 list right now. It's the same way. I think like of the 15 high school guys I'm going to mention, they have like three or four of them already. Is Vanderbilt <clears throat> and it feels like Stanford would sometimes, although I don't think Stanford's particularly good this year. Well, that was the other part of the of what I was going to say is uh, Stanford has gone to I think the more traditional Vanderbilt approach, which is we'll get elite guys if they're going to be super hard to sign, and we have like an eighty percent chance of getting them to campus, and then we'll get a bunch of really good local kids that are you know like good uh, players. Like I don't think Stanford lost a guy in the draft until a couple of years ago when Ryder Jones signed with the Giants. I think they had lost a guy in the draft for like six or seven years, and they had obviously had you know first and second round picks on campus. Uh, but also, they are one of the most desirable academic schools in the country, especially with how Silicon Valley is coming along. Yeah, right, yeah. And they are in a relatively uh, you know between Southern California and Northern California, two of the more affluent baseball playing communities. And people there, you know, you say Stanford to a parent, they're like, oh yeah, go there. So they're they're like in a position where they could recruit nationally and they get kids from Texas and Oklahoma every year. Uh, but they could get almost all of the players they need, both the filler type guys and the elite type guys, out of those two communities. Whereas Vanderbilt is more of a, you know, everything east of the Mississippi and some things not. Uh, and I, yeah, I guess those are probably the two best baseball schools that are kind of that type. 
you could say like Rice or Baylor or Texas mm-hmm. are you know good schools that can do that. Duke is obviously a good school, but not a great baseball school. But yeah, those are sort of the two the two big ones. Yeah, if a kid if a kid is into wants to play baseball, wants exposure on that front, but also wants to come away with with a degree that also has uh, some cachet. Yeah, basically to keep the parents happy and keep the kids happy, those are the two places you look. And uh, Vandy hasn't had any trouble keeping pitchers healthy. I mean, their biggest problem the last few years has been having too many good players. So typically you don't play if you're a freshman unless you're really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think some, like I know last year I heard Justice Sheffield signed in part because his brother Jordan Sheffield was coming off of Tommy John was going to pitch this year, which would have been just his freshman year. And he was like, I'm not going to get to play. My brother gets to play. Like, Justice went, like, 35th overall, and he would not be in the weekend rotation this year. He'd, at best, be the Tuesday guy. Uh, so I think they're almost, like, so deep, some kids are deciding to sign when they may not want to. Um, and I was going to say something else, but I forgot what it was. Uh, well, uh, but, and also, if scouts are watching a high school kid, and it's either a Stanford commit or a Vandy commit, they know either this kid's not going to sign at all, or if I don't turn him in the top two rounds, we're not going to get him. Like that's just sort of like that's like the shorthand for when someone uh, a scout says that. The uh, dovetails nicely with uh, this weekend big Ivy League matchup, Kylie, between <laughs> Pennsylvania, between UPenn and Columbia. Yeah, they both have uh, commits that will be going in the top five picks this year. Sorry, yeah, I got that mixed up with no, they don't. <laughs> yeah, the uh, top three hitters in the Ivy League, according to maybe predictive stats. Uh, pretty exciting. Mitch Montaldo is a shortstop at uh, at Penn. That's exciting. Gus Craig was the Jose Bautista of the Ivy League last season. <laughs> I'm excited for it. I am. Ex- I'm. I'm excited for it. Ronnie you know what the funny thing is? The guys that you're doing these stat write-ups on, there's a better chance they'll be one of the 30 GMs than being a big leaguer <laughs> of any kind. Uh, Joe Falcone, or maybe it's Falcone, the DH for Columbia. Uh, he's like 25 because you. <laughs> He was a medic in the Marines. We're talking about a 25-year-old Ivy League DH. Yeah, I know. Yep, there we are. Well, and I'm still excited to see him. They're going to be on ESPN. They're going to be on uh, watch ESPN this weekend. Saturday, get two Saturday games. I am. I'm legitimately excited. I don't know why. Now, I will say your uh, outlook on life and your tone sounds a little more rosy. Has the weather warmed up in your area? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's getting sort of progressing to that that link. I don't know something about, uh, yeah, yeah. Things are getting they're getting a little bit better. Don't get carried away though, Kyle McDaniel. Yeah, I mean I'll be wearing flip flops and board shorts to this game today. So board shorts? What are board shorts? <laughs> the like there's a longer bathing suit, like a surfing type oh, deal. Okay, all right, all right. It's really horrifying that you don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Do you? Is that a thing that adult people wear there actually? Were you no, there? it's kind of a joke. Like, it was a joke, like, okay. Excuse- that's like the most casual uh, pants you can wear. All right, all right. The, um, <clears throat> you know, jokes are always better when you explain them. Pardon me. I don't know if you've heard that. Pardon me, I'm in stitches. <laughs> I'm in stitches. Wait, does that mean that I've that I've already busted a gut and now I've been tied up already? Uh, or- yeah, I believe so. It's a comedy-based injury joke. <laughs> comedy-based injuries. Um, all right. Uh, let's uh, tell me about Lucius Fox briefly. He is a Bahamian. I thought it was Bahamian. Bahamian, sure. Bahamas born. He's a he's a native of the Bahamas. That's and why I keep saying Bahamas born. I feel like it's a much easier phrase to roll out. Probably, yeah. It, or you could do the spelling. But the point is, um, 
born in the Bahamas, played briefly in the United States at a school, and now is back in the Bahamas, officially an international free agent. All, all that is that factual? Yeah, shockingly, you got that all right. Okay, and he's really throwing a wrench into these international signings. I wrote that headline too. I was pretty proud that Dave Cameron did change it. Hey, Lucius, drop that wrench, buddy. (laughs) What did we ever do to you? Yeah, yeah. Why are you always, why are you always destroying machinery? With by the way, I should point out uh, that I've tweeted or written about Lucius uh, on like maybe eight or ten occasions now. A full, I'd say 75% of the comments, whether it's uh, on Twitter or in Facebook or on uh, Fangraph's uh, comments, mm-hmm. have been jokes about him being a Batman character, and it has not slowed down. Like, no, I first wrote about him, like, two months ago, and it's still happening at the same clip. Right. I don't know <laughs> if new people are discovering him, or people keep making the same jokes, or thinking of new ones, or what. Yeah, well, I, yeah, you're not going to find that here. Good. <laughs> the um, uh, So here's the thing. The reason he is the reason he's throwing a wrench is because he's now officially an international free agent, which and he also it seems to be he's uh, because of he's slightly older and he has he, he he's toolsy but slightly older and has a longer track record from which uh, teams can sample and also has played domestically so so domestic scouts have seen him as well. He's going to be among the top bonus receivers, the top bonus getters. That's not well phrased, but neither is Bahamas born, so it's, it's true. Uh, but is all, all, all that's true? I mean, where is he? The, I think the the highest projected signing you have was a Guerrero. Yeah, at four and change. I, I, I think it proje- projected at four point four, mm-hmm. but I know it could probably range anywhere from four zero to four five. Okay, and, so and then the next is uh, four point two for. Oh, I should have. Look that up before I decided to say it. Hylene? I think it's Jalen. Jalen, okay. J-H, it should be, this is, we're both excused. J-H-A-I-L-Y-N. That's a tough name. Yeah. Uh, and then Wander Javier, or Vonder, maybe Vonder, who knows? <laughs> it's uh, not Vonder. All three from the Dominican, from the Dominican, all three, four plus. Yes. Million dollars. Uh, Ortiz with the Phillies. Uh, Javier, a shortstop, potentially with the Twins. Anyway, uh, is Lucius Fox going to be in that range? Uh, I will be writing more about that on Monday. Uh, the short answer is I think so. Okay. Okay. So that's uh, so that's a that's a that's a big that's a big name. And 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 it seemed like when you were writing about him, the teams that are vi- that will likely be vying for his services are the most usual suspects as far as international spending goes. Yeah, the Rangers and Cubs are both coming off of their suspension or whatever you want to call it, uh, sanctions for spending too much money, and they were both widely expected to spend a lot of money. And then also the Dodgers, who just are like the drunken sailor of uh, of, of everything. Oh yeah, I saw you you mentioned that with regard to the Yankees last year, and yeah. there was there was what there was one guy that the Yankees were not in on that that kept was it Gilbert Lara. Yeah, and also Adrian Rondon. I think those are the top two players from that class, and it sounds like the Yankees weren't really in on either one of them. Well, how, how come? Uh, Lara, from what I'm told, wasn't their, uh, like the type of guy they like to sign. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I've heard about how it's, you know, can be kind of a wild swing at times and wasn't a great defensive profile, might, might be a left fielder. Although he's since lost weight and looks more like an infielder now and has toned down his swing a bit in games. But he always hit, so it was, you know, kind of questionable, that decision. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and Rondon, I think, was had his deal done so early. It was just, I think they, had, I think he decided to spend all that money after he was already done. So I'm not sure there's really a chance to get him. Where did sorry? So Gilbert Lara is a, what an infielder in the Brewers system now? Yeah, probably third baseman. Uh, got 3.1 million from the Brewers, and then Adrian Rondon is a shortstop. A little better chance to play short, a little less dynamic with the bat, uh, with the Rays that got, I believe, 2.9 million. Okay. Now, have the Rays, uh, uh, have they typically spent in the international, the international market? Oh uh, yeah, they've already gone over twice, but I think the first time they went over, it was like they spent 5 million instead of 1.5, so it wasn't an amazing amount over. And then this past year when they went over, I think their pool was like 2.8 and they signed Rondon for 2.9, and then I think they ended up spending about 4. So another time where they didn't quite explode as much as they could, but you could argue with their revenues, they would either have to not sign guys for a couple of years to, uh, you know, to really do the way the fans would want them to do it, mm-hmm. which would, you know, if you're just saving money from not spending for two years and spending it all in one year, if anything, you're just getting players that are even younger. So if that's how much money they have for that, then that's how much money they have for that. And they got Rondon, which is the, for the time being, second best player in the class. So hard, hard to argue, although I can tell you that, uh, I've been getting this comment a lot from Phillies fans, uh, both for the lot, much like the uh, Batman Lucius Fox jokes. It's been yeah. on Twitter, it's been in the comments, it's been in every article that even mentions this. It's been for over a month. Uh, if the Phillies are gonna go over or get close to going over or go get this top player, why don't they just spend forty million dollars? And I was like, you do not realize that almost a dozen teams have gone over and only one team has done that. <laughs> You do not understand how the, the economics work of teams that they don't just have forty million dollars laying around because if they did, then you'd be mad they weren't spending it on you know Ryan Howard or Subway sandwiches or whatever. Uh, so some teams will just spend all of their pool and not go over because mm-hmm. uh, they don't want the penalties, or they'll spend you know eight million over their four million dollar uh, pool because they want to. They have a guy they really like and they want to get him, and if they're going to have to go over, then they'll make sure they double it or whatever. But that's not the way it works, but I can tell you. And I also got like questions from people like Tigers fans who were like, well, I don't ever hear about the Tigers of July too. I'm like, you guys have like three good Latin players in the, the lower levels of your system every year. It's like a new guy, but fans just want to hear their team mentioned when they spent the most money, even though it may not actually mean anything. So this is just me venting about people being Yeah, stupid. it's okay. All right. Bring it down, bring it down, Kylie. <laughs> Kylie, calm down, Kylie. We're gonna have to have like a like a brief like a yoga session in the middle of uh, your podcast. You know? I need an emotional safety room. Yeah, that's good. That's good. At least you, hey, just know yourself. That's the important thing. Uh, one thing I wanted to do because and I mentioned this last week when we were talking. The um, now, if I were a fan of a team, if I'm coming at this like a if I'm a Blue Jays fan, I'd think, all right, this is cool. We have uh, we probably have a commitment. Our team has a commitment to. The, to Vladimir Guerrero there, that's exciting, right? And that's someone in whom I, I could now follow. But uh, for those among us who, um, you know, maybe just a more general interest in the game, or even if you're a big prospect fan, it's hard to it's hard to really get to know the Dominican players. Now, the fact that you post video, that's helpful. Um, but they're still, they're still quite young, still pretty far away. One thing I was thinking that might maybe – Add something a, a little bit more concrete to this uh, to this experiment or the, to the July second signings is actually to look at guys who were signed five years ago um, to get to sort of get a sense of what happens to these guys. Now these are guys now who in you know in most cases if they signed at 16 are now entering their age 21 season, which is roughly the age of a college junior. 
right? So that's the age in which they would have been drafted. That's that's really who you're comparing them against at some sense, right? Um, and so some of the guys who signed uh, in 2010 during that period are in the major leagues, a couple of them. Uh, some of them are in the higher minors, and some of them are nowhere. <laughs> some of them are nowhere. Yeah, you sent me this list before we started, and I said, wow, that year really sucked. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Well, like, I they, think this is a below-average group. Okay. But it, it just gives it... So the top signing from that year was Adonis Cardona, which I will say is not a name that is particularly familiar to me, although I'm willing to let it be. On the Blue Jays list, uh, he's thrown, like, a total of 50 innings in his entire career, but it's been, like, plus to plus plus stuff when he does. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much all I can say. Well, he's I mean, barely he, pitched. He's always hurt. He's always it's, it's hurt. Never, it's never been like surgery, nothing terrible, just like a lot of weird soreness for the last five years. And I, um, now would it be, would it be right to think maybe that the, the team has been careful with him just because of the amount of investment they've, they've put into him? I mean, at this point, he's like getting to where he needs to be put on a 40 man and stuff, so he kind of needs to do something so they can make a decision. Uh, I actually haven't even checked if he's pitching this year. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. I don't know. Uh, he hasn't pitched yet. Yeah. Uh, but I guess the highest so he's level. He's probably still an extended. Right. It's Class A, right? So he's still down there. Uh, wait. So who's, so High A is started now. Class A is, Class A is starting. Yo, know, Class A is also started. Yeah. Low A, High A, Double A, Triple A are all going on now. Okay. And then the short season leagues, DSL, Ricky Ball, and all those get started after the draft, about a week or two. Oh, okay. Right. And, and, and that makes sense, right? Because you see a lot of newly drafted players on those, on those teams. Which is why people proposing we push back the draft until after the season, or after the season's over, or after the college season's over, it would, at the very least would affect those teams, if not erase them completely. Right. Now, when is the, sorry, uh, this is not entirely related. When does the College World Series take place usually? Uh, usually they're in super regionals by draft time, so I would imagine it's, the College World Series starts like two weeks after the draft, so that'd be like middle of June. Okay, right. And are they, are they, do they tend to be over? So, so you could have, so, so you could actually have, you have a team has drafted a player, and you're able to watch him during the College World Series. There is a high-profile example of Jason Windsor with, I believe, Cal State Fullerton. Yeah. Uh, where the A's took him in, I'm looking up now, but I believe it was the third round. Okay. In, yeah, third round, 2004, uh, from Fullerton. And he was drafted, uh, hadn't yet signed, but I think had agreed to terms. Uh, or had, you know, had an understanding, and then went to the College World Series and was promptly abused in such a way that Twitter would have decried. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it was, like, started a game and then came out of the bullpen two days later and started another game a day later, like, something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was basically never the same again. Uh. And they had already drafted him. Um, so, and he had been sort of like a workhorse the whole season, and there have been examples, like Ken Emanuel that happened to, I believe the A's draft, no, the Astros drafted him, and then he promptly had some sort of crazy, like 150 pitches in four days, uh, experience in Super Regionals after he was drafted. And he's been okay in pro ball, but he was never a huge velocity guy to begin with. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, that's, you don't like to see that. For the, certainly for the sake of the guy. But seemingly it happens in one form or another every year where there's some sort of questionable usage because that's the part of the year where they're playing, you know, a game every day, in some cases two games a day if it's elimination, and you just run out of pitchers. And obviously these college coaches are trying to keep their jobs and win, and they're going to rely on the guys they trust, and this guy's heading out the door, so there's some moral hazard involved, and the kids aren't going to say no. Uh, Although afterwards they will say they wanted to say no, which makes it sound eerily creepy when I phrase it like that. (laughs) Yeah, um, well... 
It's interesting. I think that there was just – I don't know how I came across it, but there was a piece on – what do you – is there a, a blue whale in your house? No. What do you hear? That was like a like maybe furniture dragging across the floor. Might have been in my in my place. Nothing uh, is moving. Okay, fine. Calm down. Uh, oh, Augie Garrido holding forth on one of my, my favorite Taco Bell orders. I, on um, um, the, uh, let's see, on entitlement among college players. There was a recent article that appeared somewhere. Something like that. And what was the general uh, sentiment? He thinks that there is entitlement among college yep. players. Yeah, I thought that's where it was headed. I don't want to say something negative until I knew what it meant, but I'm pretty uh, sure that's where it was headed. Old Augie. He, so, he you know, has similarly been accused of uh, very awfully uh, abusing pitchers late in the season. I believe Austin Wood was his great example. The Well, what is it? Uh, I think so. Augie Guido is now what has been for some time the head coach of Texas. Mm-hmm. But he he started off for maybe one of his first high-profile coaching jobs was at uh, Fullerton. And he was saying he was saying the most old manish type things, you know, like back then, like we barely had a field, we we used sticks as bats. I think they literally didn't have a locker room. We got. I like, bet he still calls them foreigners. <laughs> the um, so but and then uh, you know he talked about the amenities now, but I guess at the same time, I mean, kids aren't going to Texas as often, right? Yeah, I believe I've commented in recent weeks that they have fallen off, especially in the last five years. Even and it though, doesn't even though they have their pick out of anyone in the state, generally speaking. I mean, theoretically, they would, right? And I don't think I don't know. I mean, are the do you know for a fact that like the amenities at Vanderbilt or LSU are markedly better? I can't imagine they're better. Well, Texas is known as the the cash cow of all of the athletic departments in in college sports, like. Mm-hmm. There will be like runs where USC or Florida or Alabama or Ohio State are like the best team or the best programs in multiple sports. Texas always makes the most money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they probably, from what I know, have generally top notch facilities all over the campus. Mm-hmm. So if he wants to talk about entitled, uh, kids, I guess he would also be an entitled coach because I'm sure he's getting paid a ton and gets to recruit with uh, all the name brand recognition and facilities that he's given. So. Right. I guess that's a typical old guy thing to not to ignore that part. But also, I mean, isn't the best team like potentially in uh, the best college team in Texas right now, Dallas Baptist? Yeah, I will probably TCU, but they're probably second best. Yeah, I mean, oh no, I'm Texas A&M is number two in the country. All right, so it'd be A and M and TCU are the two best. And oh yeah, A and M, right? Sorry, A and M. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, A and M and TCU, and then third would be an open question. Right. But possibly Dallas Baptist. Yeah, I mean, Baylor's okay, Texas is okay, Texas Tech is okay, Rice is okay. Yeah, they might be third best. And Dallas Baptist, I'm guessing, doesn't have the money to throw around that Texas does. Uh, no, no, well, nobody has Texas money. Right. Uh, it should be noted, actually, uh, A&M is playing this weekend a uh, pretty good game last night, uh, Thursday night, versus LSU. That's, uh, you, you know, you can make a pretty good case, uh, certainly – um, the media outlets that are responsible for ranking college teams ha- are making the case that these are the two best college teams in the country right now. I saw LSU last week, and uh, D1 Baseball's Frankie Polari told me when he saw them early in the season, he goes, you're going to love watching this team. Everyone has a pro approach, and everyone's trying to hit the ball hard every time. Uh, and I went and watched, and they're also one of the most talented teams. So it's like top-to-bottom good hitters having a pro approach trying to get a hit every time and not doing all this, 
you know, shenanigans like you see at Stanford or Fullerton trying to hit a ground ball the other way because the coach is yelling at him to quit hitting home runs in batting practice, which I've, <laughs> I've literally seen a Stanford coach yell at Alex Blandino for hitting a home run in batting practice. Huh. Um, and also you don't get, like, a bunch of bunting and you don't have a bunch of, like, little grinder guys that literally can't hit it out of the park if they tried to, and so they're just trying to hit, you know, single the other way. Right. Like, you just get a bunch of big dudes that are going to be in pro ball just trying. And some of them are, like... You know, 10th, 15th, 20th round, like above average power, not a bunch of contact, and they just go up there and swing as hard as they can every time. It's really entertaining. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they're, I mean, they're, you really don't miss out on a lot of, there aren't a lot of, like, uh, plate appearances they're given away. I mean, they have, they have three guys, at least, like, the, through the predictive stats. Uh, I mean, Bregman is no surprise. He's their shortstop. He's a good he's, defender, too. He's P good. Uh, and then, uh, Civic, which is the correct pronunciation. I thought it was Skovic, but okay. No, it's Savic. Alright. I mean, it might be Skovic now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> okay, I think it's Savic. Anyway, he's their catcher. I don't know what, what your feel is on his defense, but his, he's got a strong offensive approach. Do you have a feel on his defense? Uh, the last thing you said did not come through, so I'm guessing no one heard that. Do you, he's got a, I don't know what your opinions are on his defense, he's got a strong offensive approach. Uh, yeah, I didn't bear down on him because uh, he's a you know senior signed catcher without a ton of tools. But yeah, se- seemed okay behind the plate, good enough to be a minor league catcher, not like a move to first base kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But also wasn't one of these like huge standout types. Okay, and then um, seems like a solid ten to fifteenth round kind of guy. And Jared Foster is another senior on the team who has, very interesting. Who's moved to? Wait, you really think he's interesting? Yeah. Oh yeah, because he's moved to second base, and I think he's playing it decently. Yeah, he's not fantastic at second base. Uh, reminded me a little bit of LJ Hose, uh, and that he's, has the tools to play there, but isn't great laterally, but can kind of make all the plays. Oh, did, so, so let's go back to Hose, cause Hose, that predates any interest whatsoever I had in college baseball, but I know he's been sort of a fringy major league prospect. He, but he played infield in college? Uh, no, he was signed out of high school. He oh, was with, he was with the Orioles when I was in Baltimore, and he okay. was, Similar type guy, uh, but probably, I think Foster's a little more athletic, he's a football player, uh, but both are like second base left field, below average arm, probably can't be an everyday defensive second baseman in the big leagues, but good enough you can stick him there, both are right-handed hitters. Hose had a little better of a swing, they both have about average power, um, Foster is more bat speed, a little more loose athletically, but his swing is a little stiff, there's a little bit of a groove path to it. Mm. Uh, and he's hitting this year, but he hadn't hit before. And, it, you know, it's, if you really squint, you could see a sort of fringe, everyday, solid utility type, you know, uh, platoon type guy. Probably more of a seventh to tenth round, good budget senior pick that has some upside because he hasn't played a ton of baseball and is obviously hitting on a good team and has some tools and all that. And he's like a 55 runner, whereas Hose is like a 40 runner. Um, so, yeah, I could definitely see somebody taking him as high as the fourth round as a way below slot guy, but I think on talent, he's more of a sixth to tenth rounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he's interesting. Yeah, he, he's interesting. Uh, and then A&M is a bunch of, a bunch of hitters, too. The uh, guy... You just cut out again. A&M has a bunch of hitters. <laughs> you don't have to yell. I'm not an old man. Calm down. The uh, Logan Taylor is hitting well. He's a left fielder who played shortstop for them last year. Um, I don't think he's a, I don't think he was a big draft guy for you. Uh, I actually haven't seen A&M either of the last two years, uh, but there is one player on their team I have seen uh, a good bit. And I'll wait to, for you to say his name. Uh, is he a pitcher or a hitter? He's a hitter, and he will be probably number two on the 2016 draft list. Number two. Let's see. Um, Nick Banks. 
That is the guy. Oh, is it? Okay. Nick Banks made uh, a very nice throw. Uh, he had a, he has a strong arm. I can guarantee you that. It's a plus. Yeah. He uh, Fra- Jake Fraley. Jake Fraley, I think, plays some outfield for yeah. LSU. Hit the ball to right field. A&M was in a no-doubles defense tied game, bottom of the ninth. And uh, Fraley, uh, who has probably been, you know, because he's placed for one of the best teams in the country, has probably, you know, spent a lot of his baseball career being one of the best players on the field. Uh, and In addition to being a 55 runner, which right, is pertinent. Right. And he said, oh, I'm going to uh, try to go to second. And uh, Nick Banks um, disagreed with that opinion and threw him out by kind of a lot. No doubles defense indeed. Yeah, yeah. So it did not – yes, it worked in this particular case. Um, yeah, Jake Fraley will be on the 2016 list as well. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple – yeah, they have a bunch of guys too. Ryan Burke, I think, is their second baseman um, who can hit a little bit. Um, they have a guy named Ronnie Gideon. No, no. Yeah, Gideon. Yeah. Who plays third base but does not look like a third baseman. He looks like – he um, – He's a bigger man, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> He's a bigger man. He's on some Pablo Sandoval-ish? Yeah, yeah, but he does not have the, uh, the whatever, the 80-grade, ath- like, freakish athleticism to go along with the body type. Um, oh, yeah, the other guy that I mentioned on my draft list was uh, last night starter Grayson Long. Put him yeah. at the, basically top of the fourth round kind of guy. Right. Long kind of big Long's... dude, average stuff with some command, pretty decent. Yeah, he strikes me as, like, Kind of that like prototypical really good college pitcher. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but he's also what is he like six five and throws ninety ninety two and you know three average to slightly above pitches like pretty pretty solid profile that's worked out before. Yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah, and then there's uh, like uh, and then of course LSU LSU has two really interesting pitchers uh, throwing the next two days. They have uh, Alex Lang um, yeah. today throwing tonight and he uh, he hits low mid nineties. There's a good breaking ball. And Austin Bain is another freshman. Um, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see Austin Bain yet. Take control of your city, LSU. What is that? Oh, Bain, uh, Bain for the Batman. Okay, Come so on. I told you I do not understand the Lucius Fox Batman reference. That's true. Yeah, allow me to allow me to support that original <laughs> assertion by saying I don't – I have not seen the Bane, the one with Bane in it. He's the Darth Vader of this generation. Right. So uh, – but Bane I think is pretty good too. Yep, never seen him. Seems like he's pretty good. And they also have Colin, Colin Stahl, who's You're just naming the entire team now. What is this, a Peter Gammons column? They are, they're all, they're all interesting. I thought you were gonna say, when you said Peter Gammons, at first I thought Peter Gabriel. <laughs> what are you, a sledgehammer? <laughs> I thought, so why, why did Peter Gabriel? Maybe Peter Gabriel names a lot of things. Anyway, this is uh, very much getting away from the original exercise, which was to go through the 2010 <laughs> list of international amateur bonuses. Yeah, how did this happen? I don't know, but let me... Well, it's a good thing we're not spending too much time on that, because these players generally suck. But let's, let's run through them real quick. Uh, Louis Heredia uh, got the second highest bonus. Uh, tie uh, has had concerns about immaturity and his weight, and with his weight going up, his stuff has gone down. It is currently at fringy, although it has been above average before. And I think... Um, I think like Cardona, he was like, now are these sort of, cause he was like the last guy maybe on your pirates list, I think. Are yep. these guys who, when you're making the lists, you're like, uh, cause you know that they've done very little as professionals, but you're also like, well, they were one of the, like, most sought after international guys at one point. 
Yeah, I mean, that fact alone doesn't matter, but they were the most sought after because they had big stuff in projection. In Cardona's case, that has delivered on even bigger stuff. And so the stuff is more important than how he was signed or how much he got. I mean, he might have signed for 200000 and then blown up the next year. It would be the same guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heredia, had, I've seen the stuff pretty decent before, but I've also heard the maturity and weight stuff since the day that he signed. The fact that he's a huge dude that's a right-handed starter profile with, like, somewhere around average stuff because there's some starter traits there, he has to stay on the radar because he's not super old yet, but he's about a year away from, all right, give up on this guy. Wait, is he Grayson Long? Uh, on a good day. He's not that good right now. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, he wouldn't go in the top three rounds. That's an interesting that's – a, that's a, I would say um, – I've actually only really started considering it just this morning when you're but comparing – Comparing international signees from five years ago with guys who are in their age group who are juniors in college. That to me seems like a, like could Grayson Long versus this guy who's been a professional for five years. Uh, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but there will be more things along these lines coming very soon to Fancrafts. Oh boy. Well, people better wear their helmets because their minds are about to blow up. I'm not sure a helmet would keep that from happening. It would just make clear. <laughs> That's what helmets do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would help the cleanup though. The janitorial staff hopes you put on a helmet. Yeah, put on yeah, before you do that. Um the let's see, who is third? Ariel Ovando he was, was given minor get, league rule five this year, I believe, to be converted to a pitcher. Oh so that didn't go very well. <laughs> oh, minor league rule five. He was selected by someone. Uh yeah, I'm actually looking that up now. Uh yeah, will you do it? The Cubs took him. Cubs took him. And he has not done anything yet, but I remember hearing he was going to be converted to a left-handed pitcher. Uh, Ovando is interesting because, uh, I believe this year, 2010, was the year, it's the year of Baltimore. And it was doing some international stuff, but we obviously weren't like, you know, going, no, no one on this top 30 list that went to us, so mm-hmm. obviously weren't scouting these guys super heavily, and I wasn't the decision maker. Um, but when Ovando signed, uh, it was, actually it wasn't even our scouts, it was scouts from other teams telling me, uh, not only did I not think he could hit, not only did I think he was on steroids, I also thought he was older than he said he was. This is a terrible signing. And that was like echoed by many people that this guy was supposed to get like five, six hundred thousand and he got two point six million. And it was like the Astros big, uh, that was I believe the Ed Wade, Bobby Heck, uh, era when mm-hmm. they were kind of asserting themselves. I believe they took Jason Castro somewhere around this area. Uh, and that was like their big, you know, plan a flag. We're, we're going to be big money spenders and that, Pretty much everything I just mentioned other than Jason Castro went awful for everyone involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah, Ka- they- Ovando, uh, his only time he got out of short season ball was when he hit 172 in 50 games in low A. So, yeah, not so great. Now, is it possible that one of the reasons, um, besides what his, I think he had power upside at some point, didn't he? Yeah, it's 6'4", 230, lefty, uh, bat speed, but it's one of those sort of, Long swings, uphill, BP kind of guys as opposed to game sort of guys. Okay. So, uh, now, Ovando was, he was tied with Heredia for the second highest bonus. That was 2.6 million. It seems like if you want to roughly convert these bonuses to present day ones, you just double them roughly. Roughly. Uh, yeah, maybe a little less than that. If, yeah. Basically, if there were no bonus pools, doubling would probably be accurate. Okay. But since um, there are, it's a little lower than that. Uh, a couple, another uh, pair of guys at number four. One of them was signed by the Mariners of the Dominican. Uh, this was Phillips Castillo. And I will double check that, but I believe he was released this spring. Oh, God. It's not going well. <laughs> like I said, Tom was, yeah, released on April 1st. Okay. 
So we are mirrored uh, three weeks away from his career ending. Oh. And the Renato Nunez, pretty decent. I believe yeah, so he was on Renato, my top 200. Right, so Renato Nunez was tied. He was signed uh, by the Athletics out of Venezuela. Um, so out of the five guys that got two million or more, we have hasn't really pitched, one year away from giving up on him, <laughs> given up on by his team, released by his team, and pretty decent prospect. That's pretty terrible. Yeah, that's not it's not going so great. That's like a collective like twelve million dollars. <laughs> so go read more. Kylie's article on July two prospects. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said this is a below average group because usually <laughs> the best players are you know in that like one point five million and up area, and on this list. There are only two decent players in that area, and there right. should be four or five. Uh, Nunez, is, Nunez, Nunez is still a guy, though. Um, uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's not uh, uh, it's not really much to say about a guy that he hit a lot of home runs at uh, in the California League last year. But he hit a lot, of, a lot of home runs in the California League last year. But he's done it at other levels. He's hit home runs. And he's, he's got bat speed. He's young for the level. He's performed, but may not be an infielder or maybe a first baseman slash corner outfielder and is sort of in the – you know, it's above average power, but it's kind of the aggressive approach will hold up outside of the Cal League kind of thing. So it's got some questions, but there's enough upside that people are still on board. Right. Um, so those are the top five guys. There are some other uh, more familiar names. So uh, seven and eight are pretty good. Sorry, so seven was Carlos Martinez signed with the Dominion. Now, he, was there a, uh, was there a yep. kerfuffle, a signing kerfuffle? He signed with the Red Sox for like 300000 or somewhere around there. It turned out he was older, and I believe the Red Sox wanted to keep him anyway, mm-hmm. but I believe the rule was if your identity is wrong or something, then your uh, your deal gets voided. I may have that backwards. Maybe the Red Sox you know, cut him loose. I think, I think what you're saying sounds familiar, and so he actually profited from it. Well, yeah, so he had to sit out a year, and in the in that – in the interim year he had to sit out, he went from throwing roughly 90 to throwing roughly 95. Uh-huh. And went from getting roughly 300,000 to getting exactly 1.5 million. Yeah. And the Red Sox were pretty upset that, like you were saying, like, a, a kid lied to them, they tried to, like, give him an opportunity to come clean and sign him a year later, and then he made over a million dollars. Yeah, it's a BS move, um, I agree. But from the kid's perspective, like, you know. Right. I will also say that, got, like, I think if, if we're looking at, like, uh, who's usually the one getting exploited, it's like it's like one for the players and like a thousand for the teams in the league. So it's like a it's like a horrific game show in Dominican TV called "Who's Exploiting Me Now?" <laughs> oh. Hey, it's the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Oh, it's Come funny. On now. It's funny because it's true. Yeah. And sad. And um, then number eight on this list, Jorge Alfaro, mm-hmm. I saw on a showcase when he was fifteen, and I still have a video of it. I believe it's on Vimeo. He did not look like how he looks now. Uh, he was a smaller person, I assume. Yeah, and also it wasn't like the super electric, like 70 power, 80 arm kind of guy. It was just like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Uh, like there's some, t- some skills here and he hit a ball in BP and seems like he can catch and it's all solid, which is what 1.3 million suggests that he's that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere in the next year or two, all that stuff kind of developed. And he was a Colombian kid that was training in the Dominican. And, uh, yeah, one of the, one of the sort of showcases I went to was the trainer that he was, uh, staying with the Dominican had a big open tryout and also included number 10 on this list, Estelan Piguero, mm-hmm. and also included number 16, Vic Moldela Cruz, and number 19, Wilmer Romero. And Are also any of those number, other people you just said pl- guys now? Not really. Number 6, uh, Edward Salcedo was also there. It was a really big workout. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they would... Uh... Guys yeah, the other nine. guys. All right, so now we got past those. Salcedo was six. The guy we skipped, and well, Danny was Vasquez a, was number nine, and he's a he's yeah. still a player. He's others guy. He's okay. 
He needs to fill out his frame, although he's already an A-ball. Uh, so I'll say the guy we mentioned at six, got a bunch of money because he was big and strong and could play the infield and had some power, but just the rest of it never came together. I was never a huge believer in that. Uh, Arteaga is like a glove first guy for the Royals. They got 1.1. Piguero, we mentioned, I believe had some sort of huge injury where his, he was supposed to get like 3 million and I got adjusted down to one. He never really hit. Uh, number 12, Calixte is, uh, just made his major league debut. Yeah, I believe he was probably the third best, maybe second best guy on this list. Yeah, I'd say Martinez, then Alfaro, then Calixte, uh, and then maybe Nunez, then Calixte. But yeah, those four guys are the four guys that kind of matter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's, uh, down he's in, a club first guy that swings hard, doesn't really make a ton of contact. Down uh, tied for twenty six is uh, uh, Jose De Paulo. Yep, he, him, and uh, the guy he's tied with Candelario is another guy like uh, uh, like Renato Nunez, kind of in that might be an everyday guy, but you know still got a little work to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the rest of the list is kind of awful. Mm-hmm. Wilmer Romero, I saw in a workout, and he had like present sixty power when he was sixteen, and was like. Enormous, like 6'3", 230, but just hasn't really done anything else. Vic Muldela Cruz was a 60 runner with 55 power from the left side when he was 16, and apparently his trainer screwed up and turned down like a million and a half and then ended up having to settle for 800, and then he's just been terrible. Uh, Yoel Arayo was the guy the Rays signed to go over their pool in the first year of pools, and, like, <laughs> that didn't work. And, yeah, there's all kinds of mistakes on here. I'm going to uh, – I'll. Uh, I'm going – well, I'm saying this, and I have probably forgotten, but I intended to uh, put a link to the list. On the 25th, Wagner Mateo signed for $3 million a year before with the Cardinals, and then it got voided because of an eye issue. He then signed for 512500 and predictably with an eye issue did not hit. But he had left-handed plus raw power, above average arm, classic right field guy, was sort of the huge name the year that I was down there covering it for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, it was him and like Miguel Sano and Gary Sanchez and a lot of big names. And then he, you know, just kind of fell off the map. In conclusion, uh, stay tuned <laughs> for this weekend's big Columbia UPenn series. Doubleheader on Saturday at Columbia, doubleheader at Pennsylvania. Yeah, that was, that was depressing, that list. <laughs> like reliving all the guys I've seen that are terrible now. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, hey, another couple guys, uh, or another uh, guy you'll, you could see on ESPN, um, or at least watch ESPN, this uh, Friday tonight, is Thomas Eshelman of Fullerton. Yeah, some uh, some rumors he might be an under-slot guy in the first round, uh, if he can if he can perform well. He has walked fewer than 2% of the batters he's faced this year. Yep, he, uh, he can do that. Freakish command. And maybe, what, does he hit 90? He hits 90? Uh, I was told... Well, I've seen him 89-91 before. I was told he has hit a 94 this year, but it was described as a scrape, which means only one. Okay. Hey, well, uh, uh, do you know in the Big Ten, pitching for Maryland, do you know this guy Mike Shawarin? It's Schworn. Schworn. Yeah, he's he will also be on the 2016 list. He's a good one. He is not only – so he – I think he's referred to as – I only ever see this with regard to college pitchers, I think, known as a bulldog. <laughs> Which I assume... If you pitch for Mississippi State, you're automatically a bulldog. Yeah, but I assume this is what? game These uh, gamers, like guys who uh, can who are <laughs> effective with less than ideal stuff? Uh, well, actually, he has pretty decent stuff. He's like solid average across the board. No, but he's, but he's actually showing more velocity this year, too. I think he's hit 93-94. Yeah, he has. Uh, typically, I think it's the shorter, uh, you know, say 6-2 and under... 
with a larger frame and an aggressive approach. And if he hits someone, he laughs. That's kind of what Bulldog means. Okay, all right. Uh, but, <laughs> but I've seen him referred to as a Bulldog, but I think he's also started to exhibit more in the way of actual stuff. <laughs> You're going to say he may also be a Beagle. <laughs> and did you did you have Brandon Lowe on any of your list also at Maryland? Nope. Okay. They have some guys, though. They have, like, I think three guys, three, four guys on this. They got Alex Robinson, lefty in the bullpen oh, up yeah, to 95 right. for yeah. six. Jose Cuas, plus raw power at third base, but not necessarily a whole lot else going on. Yeah. Uh, they had a guy, Taylor Styles, a sophomore. It's pretty good, but he got hit in the face, I believe, last week. Ooh. So he's out for a while. And they got Jake Drosner out of the pen, pretty decent. Uh, Schwarm on Fridays. And I believe they have a Sunday guy, I want to say, that's pretty decent also. They got, they're, they're a deep team of draftable talent. And they will maybe uh, – well, I, they seem like it's a sort of team we might see in the regional and super regionals. I would imagine so. Yeah, that would be good. It would be fun to see that. I look forward to uh, I look forward to all that happening. I, Are we uh, going to go through the top 50 July 2 bonuses of all time now? <laughs> yeah, we'll do that next episode. I, I like whenever I say Juan Duran, the guy the red sign out of the Dominican for $2 million, to, mm-hmm. sign, to sing the song Juan, 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 Juan Duran. Oh, uh, yeah, I was thinking of a, of a Duran Duran situation. Before I met them, they were just Duran. <laughs> What's that from? I've heard that before. Yeah, I think it's a TV show, I forget. All right. All right. Uh, well, you, I think you've done it, Kylie. Anything we've um, omitted here? Uh, anything of substance we have. Yeah, okay. That's for sure. Very good. Very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't even talk about all the pro games I went to. I saw... Uh, your friend Frankie Montas and Robert Stevenson matchup. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, Stevenson started off pretty well after, what, a less than ideal start to last year. His velocity's down a little bit. He was only 92.95 when I saw him, but he has a brand new, well, not brand new, but a much improved changeup. Hmm. Well, it appears to be uh, doing him. Hey, you know who's pitching really well is Buck Farmer. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, the, when I was in the Detroit list, the Detroit guys were like, where you got Buck Farmer? I'm like, I don't know, like four or five. They're like, move him up. You got to get him higher. This he's, guy's for real. He was, I don't know what he's throwing, but I heard, I heard, uh, 96 mile per hour sighted on his fastball. This is in AAA? Yeah, in addition to, to, um, an occasionally, what I will call an occasional 60 changeup. Uh, I think I put a 55 on it, but that, that may be, yeah, it might be right. I shall, I'll show you a gif of one. Here, I, I'll do it right now. Uh, I should also say when when Toledo gets down to Charlotte or Gwinnett, let me know. I'll go see said Buck Farmer. When Toledo gets down to Charlotte or Gwinnett. Charlotte or Gwinnett. Those are the two AAA teams I can get to. One's a half hour away. One's like three, four hours away. You'll be the first guy I call. (laughs) When you check out the schedule and see what it is. I'm not going to do that. I'm not good at, at, at arranging all the schedules. It's a skill you must have if you want to overthrow me, as I know you've been planning for years. Yeah, I... That sounds like a lot of work. I do think about it. I will say, uh, um, every weekend I'm like, you know, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to some games this weekend at Dartmouth. And then I look at the weather report and it's like, uh, 49. I hate myself, but not that much. Yeah, right. So, so for my Buck Farmer report, I said he sits 91 to 94, hits 96 with above average life, aggressive approach, changeup is above average, slider is solid average. Look at, so look at the changeup I just sent you. This is to Dan Johnson. That's the Dan John. Did you see it? Are you looking at it? Yeah, that's good. That's a good. That's a good changeup. I see two planes. That's true. Uh, the location maybe is not ideal, but you got a swing. You got a swinging strike out of it. 
I mean, I was told 55. I wrote 55. I can't say that's not 55, but it's I, good. I can say it's. I can say it's 60. That's what I think. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. I think it's a swing and miss pitch in the majors. That's what I think about that pitch. Yeah, but the problem is you're watching a guy swing and miss at it, so it's a little deceptive. Hey, you take your whore mouth out of here. <laughs> I don't know why I called it a whore mouth. I don't know. Yeah, that was uncalled for. Uh, we're done. Just just because I live on Whore Island doesn't make my I mouth live, I, I have low blood sugar right now. And I need to this eat. Is, this is probably the longest podcast we've ever done. Yeah, it's an exercise. And I have not had my midday meal. I've only had my early meal, and I'm getting weak. I need are peanuts. You gonna, are you going to go have fourth meal at Taco Bell and order a Nogi Garrido? <laughs> well, thank you, Kylie, for joining us. I'm the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. That is the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. Kyla McDaniel, Carson Sestouli, we've been Fangraphs Audio.